Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The Volume. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back. Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network, Colin Cowherd's Podcast Network. Jake Donovan, the senior writer with BoxingScene.com, will join me in a minute. A little bit later on, Jarrell Miller, the former heavyweight contender who was on the comeback trail after his career was derailed following multiple positive drug tests. He'll join me. As always, subscribe, rate, and review this pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. All right. So I was in San Antonio last weekend for Bam Rodriguez's title-winning performance against Christian Gonzalez. A few rows behind me was Jake Donovan, and Jake joins me now on the show. Jake, I want to get into what we saw from Bam, who apparently fought through the second half of the fight with a broken jaw, which is pretty damn impressive. Uh, Some other news, Anthony Joshua uh, in the news as well. But I want to begin this show with Shakur Stevenson, who... (laughs) had a spectacular debut uh, at 135 pounds, picking up a knockout win over a previously undefeated fighter. Uh, just brilliant from Shakur Stevenson, who continues to uh, you know, look the part of a top pound-for-pound pound, uh, level fighter. So let me ask you this. Um, Yoshino, who Stevenson beat, not a elite contender, top 10 ranked uh, with the WBC, but not an elite guy. Uh, still, Shakur Stevenson made pretty short work of him and showed, again, that he's not just a defensive-minded guy, that he's not just a guy content to win decisions. He is willing to stand in the pocket, trade punches, and or at least throw punches, uh, yeah. and you know beat you in a physical way. So, uh, you know, what was what did you make of the latest uh, performance by Shakur? You know, I love the fact that he wasn't even completely satisfied with it. That, yes, he got the stoppage win. He beat a guy who was undefeated. Um, I don't even know if Yoshino had been down prior to that fight. 
But Shakur even agreed that the stoppage was a little too soon. He wanted to emphatically knock him out. But I love the fact that he went in and he absolutely made a statement at lightweight. So he ditched that image. It's not going to be a safety first, you know, performance. I know he got a lot of criticism with the Nakatia performance where he admitted, he, you know, was he felt his power and he didn't want to take any risks. This one, he just didn't care. He wanted to go in, blow this guy out and let everybody know, you know, this was his mission to go this route. He wanted to challenge me down in the disputed championship. He felt he's already with top ranks. He feel like he's going to get the shot, but he's going to double down, become the WBC mandatory let the world know he's going to be the next WBC lightweight, uh, the next lightweight champion in the world. And he made that statement emphatically. I've, uh, I've always been uh, pretty big on Rashino. He obviously has a ceiling. I, I never thought he was going to beat Shakur. I thought he would give him more of a test though. He is a tough guy. Um, you know, in retrospect, it's easy to say, you know, Ito is past prime and uh, Nakatani, you know, just is, he is who he is, but it, he's still being an undefeated guy. Maybe you look back and say, well, what if he got to Jermaine Ortiz? Maybe that would have been a tougher test. And, that could still be in the way if he can't get straight to a title shot. But I felt like we did see everything we needed to see out of Shakur. At 130, I thought it wasn't as smooth of a transition, like from featherweight. You know, it was like, okay, you know, when are we going to see the best come out of Shakur? I think we're at that point where seeing him start to hit his optimal run. Yeah, and at some point, we're going to have to start talking about Shakur Stevenson as a top five pound-for-pound guy, a top three pound-for-pound guy. Obviously, resume has a lot to do with that, but he goes to 130 and he beats the bejesus out of Jamel Herring. Uh, you know, wipes out Oscar Valdez. These are legitimate guys, title holders in that weight class. And Shakur Stevenson is beating them with relative ease. I mean, how how many more fights, how many more wins before we start talking about Shakur in that kind of rarefied air that we put Terrence Crawford, we put Alexander Usyk, we put Noyo Inouye? How, how far away do you think he is? I, I think at least maybe one more fight. I'm not going to say at least one more fight. I'm going to say his next fight, especially if it's, the winner of Haney and Lomachenko. I know it's more so if Lomachenko wins, he's going to stay at lightweight. If Haney wins, there's a question, can he continue to make lightweight? So I'd have to imagine whatever payday would be at stake for a fight like that, that would incentivize Devin's, you know, boil down to 135 one more time. But um, yeah, I love the fact, yeah, if he can get to Lomachenko, that, that's a pound for pound introduction for sure. If he's not there, I'm with you. He should be at least in the top 10 and he is starting to creep towards that top five. I mean, pound for pound is as much about the eye test as it is about, you know, who's on your resume. He's got the wins, as you mentioned, and he definitely passes the eye test. So, you know, more performances like this, absolutely. I mean, he's the guy a couple of years ago, we were saying this is a future pound for pound king. He's getting pretty close, like two, three, you know, big wins away from from claiming that mantle. Yeah, Olympic silver medalist, two division world champion, beating top guys in the weight classes that he's in. Uh, I'd love to see him in against Haney. I I'm not sure that's the most aesthetically pleasing fight, quite frankly, like, like punches landed might be in right. the single digits because both those guys are brilliant uh, <laughs> yeah. skill-wise. Uh, you know, I know that was in the water supply after Shakur's win that Haney would stick around at 135 to fight him, but I don't know about you, but I don't buy that. I, I think I think Devin, unless the money is astronomical, and it's just not going to be because that's a fight for the purists right now. It's not as big a mainstream fight as it could be in right. a year, year and a half when these two guys mature and get even more exposure, more quality wins. I don't think Haney's coming back to 135 after Lomachenko. Lomachenko staying where he is, though, and I think Lomachenko absolutely would take a fight against Shakur Stevenson later in the year, and that could potentially be his king-making performance. But 
I don't know where you stand on Haney. I feel like this is the swan song for Devin Haney at 135, win or lose against Lomachenko. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And it's I believe they both said it in the past, that they do believe they're going to fight each other, but that it would get to a point where they just stop growing and they're finally going to meet in the same weight division. I mean, yes, right now they're in the same weight division, but Shakur is just entering. Devin Haney, I, I we both believe he's on his way. You know, this is going to be it. He's getting a lot of money for the Lomachenko fight, so that's worth it. But, I, you know, he'll go up to 140, probably catch a belt there. Shakur will eventually grow into 140. I, I do believe they'll meet there. So I, I totally believe him on that. The only fight I believe that would keep Haney at 135 is, and I don't believe it would happen, is the winner of Tank and Ryan Garcia, which, you know, I think you and I disagree on that. But I, I'm going to say Tank because that's <laughs> it's a massive payday. But if Ryan wins, that becomes, you know, he becomes, you know, the cash count of the division. But either way, that that's the type of money it's like, all right, you know, maybe now I could stick around or whatever catch weight you can do. But other than that, I do I do believe Devin Haney will be going on to junior welterweight after this. Well, if Ryan wins, it becomes an easy fight to make at 140 because Ryan's yeah. not sticking around at 136 or whatever right. catch weight would be a rematch. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, market marketability-wise, that's an even bigger fight because Absolutely. Ryan would be the biggest star in and around that weight class at that point. Yeah, yeah the Shakur fight, I hate to see things marinate because I hate that word and I hate that... You know, things can happen along the way, but 140 feels like the weight class where these two guys should be. Devin's on his way there, and Shakur is a big guy. Like, he's a growing guy. Like, you know, I could see him fighting Lomachenko, maybe collecting, if Lomachenko doesn't have the belts, maybe collecting one or two more, you know, getting some of the bigger fights at 135, but then up to 140 where a lot of marketable fights are are potentially waiting, not just uh, Devin Haney. All right, Bam Rodriguez yep. this past weekend drops down to 112 pounds, uh, fights a little-known guy. Christian Gonzalez didn't have much of a name, much of a resume. Put up a good fight, came into the fight yeah. in pretty good shape, and even went as far as breaking Bam's jaw in the middle of that fight. We've seen some guys, Jake, who have taken a broken jaw and quit, frankly. Right. And listening to uh, Bam Rodriguez briefly after the fight and looking at him eye-to-eye -eye in the ring, that jaw was fucked up. Like, yes. that jaw was legitimately crooked and you could see kind of the anguish in his eyes as I asked him a couple of questions <laughs> to wrap that thing up. Um, but if that injury really did happen in the sixth round, that makes that win all that more impressive. I mean, I give Gonzalez credit, not just for avoiding getting knocked out, but I thought he had his moments at times mm -hmm. in that fight. Uh, you know, he stood and trade in the 12th, he stood and traded in the 12th round. I would have liked to have seen him done that a little bit earlier because yeah. he was clearly way down on the scorecards. Uh, and, you know, if you got to give yourself a chance to at least win, you might want to sit down your punches a little bit more and see what you can do. But Gonzalez was fine. And for Bam to go through that last, those last six rounds and keep coming forward, like he was not fighting off his back foot. He, he was not fighting defensively. He was the aggressor in the second half of the fight with a broken jaw. That made that win infinitely more impressive to me that bam was able to do that what did you think of bam's sort of debut at 112 pounds yeah I, i'm right there with you it's like you know watching you know we were a little further you had the, the true ringside view we had the further back ringside view but um just sitting back there it's like it's like uh, okay you know this is gonna go 12 it's um maybe on par with the his fight with uh israel uh yeah israel gonzalez i'm sorry his last one i, I thought he's a little bit better in this one um but yeah just hearing him talk to, I, it just speaks to his humility as well because i my I, I look we all love bam he's as humble as they call him, him and joshua franco both my greatest image of fight week was like the the pre-fight press conference he was the first one there he and robert garcia standing outside at 1205 but like they beat me there that's just the type of guy he is it's like he's always there to please his fans he's 
you know, just as humble as they come. And then in the ring, he always wants to give his best account of himself. So there was absolutely no quit in him. And like I said, you know, an injury like that, we would have forgiven him. It's like his fans would have been pissed off. But then when you saw him, you're like, okay, now we get it. You know, this there could have been no way he continues. I don't know how he did it for six rounds. And then to even give you, you know, the, the two or three questions that, you know, you try to get him out of there as quickly as possible. But he, he gave you that time, too. It just speaks to who Bam Rodriguez is. Just incredible character. Um, So it was a good performance, not great performance, but understandable given the circumstances. To your point on Gonzalez, I actually rode back to the hotel with uh, Tutico Zabala, Gonzalez's promoter. I said, I felt like, you know, his stock went up. But to your point, he didn't give himself the best chance of winning. He kind of like, okay, I can I can go 12 rounds. He, he showed that he had a pretty good chin because anytime Bam tagged him, you know, he didn't go anywhere. But I, I felt like he just didn't give himself that chance to – I don't know if he was going to win, but he could have made it a more competitive fight or maybe that would have put him in a position where Bam could have looked spectacular. So it was, it was a good introduction to what Bam can do at 112. Certainly a lot better to come once he gets healthy, but – it's a pretty tough division. You know, Matchroom just signed Sonny Edwards. Um, I was very surprised that Eddie said right out the gate that, you know, the first unification bout was going to be Bam versus Sonny. You know, it's like, you know, March Madness just ended. You think in Final Four, you want your best two guys to kind of be in the end. So it's like, why would you match them up first? Maybe you're trying to get, you know, Julio Cesar Martinez to the finish line. But it seems like Bam's going to have to now sit out if they want to get Sonny in the ring. He's either going to fight Julio Cesar Martinez or uh, Delakian first because um you, you can't keep him inactive just to just to hold him for bam so i do believe bam will get right back into the mix though i don't think he's going to want to tune up when he comes back but um i liked what i saw i mean 115 he had the bigger names and he had the you know he was going for the fab four there he had three and four as far as the fab four but he and he went four then three he beat quadras he beat sarung beside he never quite got to estrada and uh and chocolatito he's talking about getting back to estrada but He's going to stay at 112 for now. So um, I, I do believe we're going to see those fights. It's just the timeline obviously gets slowed down a little bit. Yeah, I think Estrada's promoter was there yeah. on Saturday, and he was telling Eddie Hearn, like, let's make the fight with Bam next. Yeah. Um, right. I don't think that's obviously not going to happen now because Bam's probably going to miss at least <laughs> several months after having right. surgery this week. Um, but that might even turn out to be a good thing because – you know, Bam and Sonny Edwards is another good fight for the purists, right? But nobody yes. in the U.S. knows who Sonny Edwards is. Simple as right. that. Um, you put him in with Julio Cesar Martinez in the summertime. Yeah. And look, I think Sonny Edwards probably wins that fight. I think he's the more talented fighter, but Julio Cesar Martinez will make it a fight. And he'll right. at least make it aesthetically appealing, which is, can't always say that about <laughs> Sonny Edwards fights. Right. And then you'll have a bigger name for Sonny Edwards. Maybe you can increase the size of the venue that you go to in November, December, whether it is AT&T in San Antonio, somewhere else. Yep. Um, so maybe it will work out in the end. But um, yeah, I was impressed with Bam at 112. I, I, I think a, a opponent who was in poor shape, who didn't move quite as well as, as Gonzalez would have gotten knocked out. I think Bam yep. was that strong at 112. And it's kind of a credit to Gonzalez for being in that kind of shape. But again, he didn't do anything to really try to win besides counterpunch and throw kind of arm punches most of the fight we were talking about in the broadcast like he's just kind of like throwing leading with his arm not his body so he's not getting much into those shots and it's really hard to win that way um that's for sure um last thing from last weekend <laughs> sebastian fedora got knocked out man yeah. knocked out in a title or a, a interim title defense fedora goes down just a concussive shot that puts fedora down and out um I guess start there. Like, what happens to Fendora after this? Like, to me, Jake, this was kind of only a matter of time because right. Fendora is like six foot six 
and fights like someone five foot ten. He he fights right. like Brian Castaño fights at one fifty four. <laughs> like never ever has used his height and reach to his advantage, and he got absolutely tagged in that fight. Yeah. So, what happens there? Does he go into a rematch? Does he stay at one fifty four? What do you think's next for Fundora? Um, so it just depends on like where his head is going to be. I mean, once you get you know tagged like that, you don't know how you're going to come back in the next fight. And I think we could both agree. It's like, it, it has been, you know, it's like the way he fights, it's like you were expecting it. I kind of would have expected it in the Lubin fight. Like, I know he officially got knocked down, but he was, there was never the threat of getting to that point. And then, you know, he did what he did in that incredible fight. But I was more surprised that Mendoza was able to do it than Lubin wasn't able to do it last year. And especially in a fight where up until that point, it kind of went the way a lot of people expected. It's like, I found it weird that Jim Gray asked, you know, Fundora after the fight, do you regret taking this? Like, Fundora, he's the type, he is willing to fight everybody. And yeah. he was up at least 5-1, if not 6 nothing going. So I think anyone who picked Fundora to win probably saw the fight going pretty much how they expected it. Plus, what, what's Fundora going to do? Like, what's he, right. he's not going to get a title shot for, like, another year, probably. Exactly. Like, you know, whenever Jermel Charlo comes back, it's going to be Tim Zhu first. Then yep. it's the IBF uh, title defense. Like, he's got to right. fight. And yeah. sitting around waiting is not going to be good for anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know why that type of mentality would be discouraged. And PBC, like they've been doing this for years with all their 154 pounders. So this shouldn't have been of any surprise. So it's like, you know, maybe give Mendoza more credit. Like he's resurrected his career and all in that fight, too, because he was, you know, he was had to come back from where he was in his career to get to this point to be a spoiler and then come back after being down five, one and six, nothing to get to that point to knock out Fandora. So that's, I mean, the leading knockout of the year contender. And he, you know, he gets the name as price for his next fight. So I, I think the pride in Fandora would maybe want to go fight Mendoza again. And like you said, there's, he has time on his side. He's still young. Charlo has, you know, still has several mandatories ahead of him. I know Mendoza can get a title fight. I don't think he's going to jump the line. The only thing I'm thinking with Mendoza is maybe he goes fights Tim Zhu next because, you know, Tim Zhu saying he doesn't want to wait for Charlo. So he wants another stay busy fight. He was talking about Liam Smith. If Liam Smith can't do it, you know, Mendoza is absolutely going to want it. I don't know if anybody else is going to be in as much of a hurry to fight Mendoza because like he got the last minute call to fight Rosario. Rosario paid the price daily last year. So he got the call full training camp to fight um, Fundora here. You know, he trains on the Ismail Salas. Salas is doing a lot of great things with a lot of, you know, a lot he of is. fighters. So, and Mendora's confidence is at an all-time high. Breadman even, you know, mentioned that after the fight. It's like the difference a fighter, you know, has, you know, with their confidence, that's, you know, they become a completely different fighter. And that's what we're seeing with Ryan Mendoza. But that said, like, if Fandora, if his head is right and he does want a rematch, I don't have any reason to believe that he couldn't correct that flaw. He's not going to change his way. He's not going to fight like a 6-6 guy in his next fight. He's going to be his who he is. He's just going to, you know, do his damnness to not get caught by that same shot. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you really can't change at this point, but no. he does not take advantage of his physical tools. And no. if Mendoza can catch him with that kind of shot, and I, I'm with you, give him credit. This is a guy that tries to the very end, like does not get discouraged by anything. That's what I've noticed of him in the last few fights yeah. uh, that I've seen him. He had lost two out of three before uh, going on this three-fight winning streak, lost to Larry Gomez, whoever that is, and then Jesus Ramos. Um you know, before getting back into the mix, beats Benjamin right. Whitaker and then retires Jason Rosario. And now here we are with Fedora. What I've seen from uh, from uh, Gomez or Mendoza, rather, is that he just is nonstop, man. Like yeah. he'll just keep coming at you. He's got such an active motor. and He's got a pretty good chin that he can afford to do that. So I am interested in the rematch. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it kind of gives... Uh, Fundora, a compelling opponent to face before the end of the year. They can sell it as a Showtime main event once again. There really wasn't a lot of buzz for this fight going into it. I mean, no. 
it almost felt like the people involved were kind of ignoring it. Like I didn't get right. too many calls about, you know, having people on about it. And I didn't know much about it till like fight week effectively. Uh, right. And it did have competition with Shakur and Bam and some bigger names uh, that were out there. But man, uh, a rematch would be, would be interesting. That's for sure. And we'll see if uh, this has any lasting effects, but shout out to, uh, to Mendoza, man, <laughs> like yeah. you use the word phrase resurrecting his career. It's exactly uh, what he's done. Kind of coming On back to the weekend. Dead. No less. Yeah. Hey, there you go. That's what I like. A little, little synergy <laughs> with the date and the calendar. I like that. Uh, all right. Let's look ahead to this weekend. The big show this weekend's over in the UK. You've got Joe Joyce, interim title holder at heavyweight. Jay Lee Zhang, uh, a heavyweight contender coming off a very, uh, competitive uh, loss to Philip Hergovich in his last fight. That's why I quite frankly thought that Zhang uh, won. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited about this fight, Jake. Yep. Like, you got two big, big guys. You know, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Two big punchers. Two guys with pretty good chins. In Joyce's case, a great chin. I think Zhang's got a really good chin as well. And I can tell you, being around Zhang, some of the biggest hands I've ever seen. Like, massive hands. So, uh, I favor Joyce in this fight because I think Joyce's skill level is yeah. higher, but he might have to dig deeper than he's ever had before to beat Jay Lee Zhang. For as long as Zhang's in it, he isn't going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm going back to Jim Gray asking Fandora, you know, do you regret taking this fight? It's like I'm looking at the risks Joe Joyce is willing to take while he's guaranteed a title shot. I mean, he, you know, Joseph Parker, we expect him to beat him, but there's a lot easier test than Joseph Parker for a guy you know, who hasn't fought at that level to, you know, to face. I so give Joyce credit for that. Now he's fighting Zhang and like, I'm with you. I thought he beat Hergovich by the same scores that they gave to Hergovich. So, I mean, he should have been the mandatory challenger. I, Joyce, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes ahead and says, you know what? Well, if I'm not getting my title shot after this, I'll go fight Hergovich. He, he just has that mentality. So this is absolutely everything you want in a heavyweight contender, a guy who's willing to earn his title shot. So I know there's been a lot of talk that if slash when he wins this fight, and I, I'm with you. It'll be a tough fight. I do expect him to prevail. There's talk. Maybe he gets Tyson Fury next. So I don't... You know, Fury says a lot of things. That might just be something he's saying but not quite willing to do. But um, yeah, I love the fact that Joyce is not willing to sit on his lead. Yeah, the thing people have to remember with Joyce, too, is that he was a 2016 Olympian, but he's older, right? He's yeah. in his late yeah. 30s at this point. And uh, the clock's ticking. And yeah. the way that the heavyweight... Uh, rotation is going right now for the Usyk belts. He's what third in line at this yeah. point behind Daniel Dubois, which I know irritates Joe Joyce to no end, <laughs> and behind Hergovich, the IBF right. uh, contender. And then he might have to contend with the you know possibility that we get uh, Usyk versus Fury at some point before the end of the year. So taking big fights, taking high profile fights, got a little trinket around his waist with that interim, you know, WBO belt. And uh, I'm sure there's some money in the Zhang fight. There'll be some money in the Hergovich fight for him. It's only going to build this profile, you know, for, for bigger fights uh, down the line. But I think we'll learn something about Joyce in this one. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah, think he's I fought agree. anybody like, like Zhang, like Zhang, if right. you just look at that resume and you see the draw with Jerry Forrest, that was a weird situation in Florida during the pandemic where Zhang, I believe he told me that week he had like one glass of water the entire week. Like it was just yeah, a he... weird health situation for him down yeah. there. He is more the guy that, you know, took Hergovich to hell and really humanized Hergovich. Hergovich, before that fight, was kind of the boogeyman at heavyweight right. that nobody wanted to fight. All of a sudden, Jay Lee Zhang has got him, you know, gassed out in the 10th round and, right. you know, could have won that fight on the scorecards. I think this, you know, I look at Joyce's resume, it's pretty good, including Joseph Parker, but I think this will be the toughest opponent of uh, of Joyce's career. 
No, I agree with you. And this is a case where, you know, big guys should fight like big guys. You know, you mentioned Fundori is six foot six. You should fight like a, a six foot six, you know, junior middleweight, not a five foot six junior, but these are big heavyweights who you want to see fight like big heavyweights. So it, it only adds to the appeal for both of them. Uh, and I agree. It's like, I mean, I love John's confidence, even creeping up into the gym when, when Joe Joyce is training out in Vegas. So just, it, he's, you know, he, same thing with Hergovich. He kind of, you know, everyone talked about Hergovich was the boogeyman, but John all along was the one that raised his hand. He's like, when they get to me, I am absolutely going to take that fight. And it was almost like he called his bluff and Hergovich had to take it. And here, you know, Joyce was looking for an opponent. John was the first one to raise his hand. So, uh, yeah, I, I expect Joe Joyce to be uh, tested. I expect him to pass that test with flying colors, though, in the end. Yeah, good fight, good main event this weekend over in the UK. The cold main event is pretty good as well. Yep. You've got Michaela Mayer back in action, 135 pounds, her debut at this new weight class, her first fight since her loss uh, and her title defeat to Alicia Baumgartner, uh, facing, interestingly, the only woman to beat Alicia Baumgartner, Christina Lindartu. Um, I, you know, I, I think this is another kind of competitive, interesting fight. Uh, Lindartu's been a little inactive in recent years, but... You know, Michaela Mayer is not stepping into a easy tune-up, I don't think, at 135. Right. I think she should win, but I don't think it's going to be uh, the easiest fight in the world for her because Christina is physical. She's a physical, physical fighter who I think yeah. is going to make it physical uh, in this fight. But I think the question, Jake, I have is, like, I, I talk to a lot of people about this in women's boxing. Like, There's obviously interest amongst boxing fans in a rematch between Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner. Right. The the response I always get, and I'm sure you get the same thing when you ask about it, is like, who's going to pay for it? Like, right. that was a million-dollar fight last year. And mm. as as talented as these two women are, I don't get the sense that Eddie Hearn is going to be running to put that fight on on a DAZN matchroom card. I certainly don't get the sense that Top Rank is eager to put that fight on as a Top Rank ESPN card. Right. Um, I don't know what has to happen. Maybe, you know... They have to both get titles at 135 after Katie Taylor retires right. or something up to that effect. But, you know, that may be one of those fights that we think, you know, is a good rematch and should happen. But mm -hmm. we don't get at least not in the foreseeable future. What do you think? So I can I, yeah, I actually just spoke to Michaela a few days ago. I always make a point to interview her before all her fights. She was adamant. I asked her, I said, is there any situation where would a, re a rematch with Alicia or even Amanda Serrano moving up to 130 where you can drop back? She's like, I am absolutely done with 130. She's like, I don't care if the rematch with Alicia now all of a sudden comes about. She's done with 130. She likes the way she feels in this training camp at 135. And her exact, you know, she wants to see how it translates into the ring. But this is why she took this fight, because she's fighting Leonardo to interim titles can be a blessing and a curse in this case i think it is a blessing because the the interim wbo titles at stake that in theory should guarantee her the winner well should guarantee her a shot at katie taylor because even if katie loses to chantel cameron she's still the undisputed lightweight champion she wants that shot at katie um we've seen it katie doesn't duck anybody so i'm pretty sure that fight would happen at some point and that's kind of where i'm going with this i kind of feel like one of them is going to have to win a title at 135 in order to create intrigue for that rematch now if michaela may or beats Leonardo to this weekend, gets Katie Taylor after Katie fights Chantel Cameron, and if the Amanda Serrano rematch doesn't happen, wins a title there, all of a sudden that rematch becomes a lot more lucrative. Now someone's going to absolutely you know, want to pay for that rematch. So I do believe we will get it in some future. I've I've been saying it's the best rivalry in the sport. I know like Sinisi and Yocasta Valle got you know, their little thing going, but these two just, they'll never like each other. I thought that that was going to be the case with Benavides and Blant. They wound up hugging it out. They respected each other and deservedly, you know, great. They fought it out and now they like each other. These two will absolutely never like each other. This rivalry will always be there. 
Um, I'm not going to say they're both unbeatable, you know, because obviously they both have a loss. Um, their fight was razor thin. You kind of want to see a better fight. The first one, like the builder was fantastic. You know, there was going to be no letdown. But then in the ring, it was like it wasn't quite, you know, I don't think the fight lived up to the to standards. It was a highly skilled fight, but it wasn't, you know, like the type of grudge match we expect to see translate in the ring. I do believe we will get something like that in a part two, but um, it'll be at 135. Yeah, I do agree with you that. There needs to be a title. There needs to be probably at least two more wins for the both of them to get him there. I, I think that Baumgartner is likely to fight Erica Cruz. That mm -hmm. was the buzz I was hearing over the last week. Erica Cruz, of course, was competitive in her loss to Amanda Serrano at 126. Yeah. She could move up to 130 and fight uh, Baumgartner there. And then you see where the dust settles on Katie Taylor in the fall. I know there are some tentative plans to make the Serrano fight in October, November with Katie Taylor. But that's one of those things where until I see it, you know, ink dry on paper and, you know, a press release and both women right. in the same room, I'm not so sure I'm going to believe that rematch happens this year until I see that. So we'll see what happens. And look, by virtue of management and promotion, Alicia Baumgartner is probably next in line to fight Katie Taylor right. because they're both represented by Brian Peters. They're both represented presented by Moom. That's a very easy fight to put together at 135. So, you know, Mayer's right now at 135. Baumgartner might be next in line, title, interim title or no title uh, for that um, uh, that next matchup. But look, I'm with you. I want to see that fight happen sooner rather than later. Those two do hate each other and they will never, ever, ever reconcile no matter how many times uh, they actually fight. A uh, couple things, quick things before I let you go. Um, there was some reporting out there a couple of weeks ago about Spence Crawford being close, uh, you probably heard the same things I did, that it's not. They're not there right. yet. June is not going to happen. Uh, I should stop letting myself become kind of, you know, Charlie Brown with Lucy on this thing. But, right. you know, I we, we've got Alexis Rocha, who was the WBO mandatory, moving on. He's going to fight yep. Anthony Young uh, on May 27th. Um, I, I said this last week. Rocha is under the impression that Spence is going to fight uh, Crawford next. But, again, until we get these guys signed... You just can't believe it. So, you know, what do you think? What's your gut on this one when it comes to Spence and Crawford? Because we still don't have Keith Thurman, Errol Spence right. announced. And that fight was supposed to be in May. And yeah. we're recording this on April 11th. You know, if you're going to have that fight, you better announce it uh, rather quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm gonna, I will rewind a little bit. When Rocha announced that he was going to move on, that was like, okay, maybe now th there is something to spend. We knew Spencer Crawford were talking. I thought maybe they were just talking, okay, we're going to do this, these fights next, and then maybe, you know, meet each other later and just kind of get that out of the way so they don't drag out negotiations. Once Rocha decided he was moving on, I said, all right, maybe there's a shot. So you mentioned Rocha is convinced that they're fighting next. The WBO is convinced that they're fighting next. The WBC seems to believe that they are fighting next. The people who are actually involved in the event don't seem to believe that they're at least not fighting June 17th, as reported. So I think it's a shame. It's kind of being handled worse than it was last year. Because last How year, is that possible? How I is know. that possible? <laughs> exactly. That was as bungled as you could make it last year. That was right. like hedge funds. Let's do an Instagram live. Let's tweet each other. Oh, like that was ridiculous. Yeah. So last year, I mean, it got to the point. I think we finally believed, oh, my God, this is actually going to happen. Once it didn't happen, I was like back to being checked out with it because prior to 2022, I never believed they were going to fight each other at welterweight. Then they got to the point. I said, all right, we're finally going to get it. Once it fell apart, I said, okay, I'm done with it. I'm not I'm not getting Charlie Brown in this one. I'm still not there yet. A part of me still doesn't want to believe that it will happen. Because I'm seeing all the steps the WBC has taken. So they ordered Ugas and Mario Barrios to fight for an interim title. So if Spence is, in fact, going to fight Terrence Crawford next, where does that leave Keith Thurman? 
Now, granted, I know he only has one win in however long was it, three, four years. So you could argue, oh, he doesn't deserve the shot. But according to the sanctioned bodies, he's the mandatory challenger. The WBC named that fight last November. They were supposed to fight. It got to the point where Thurman was told, well, you know, if you want this fight, it's not going to happen at 147. He, his exact words, I'm, I'm aware of what's going on and I am on board. I don't care. I just want the fight. With Spence, I, he's not Spence is not afraid of anybody. Let's put that right out there. I just feel like he doesn't want to give Keith Thurman that payday. He just doesn't like him. He doesn't want to make money. Off him. I think that's the only hold up I believe in that, that fight. Right. But with this Crawford thing, they're not going to make the same mistake because last year they had a bunch of people on hold. They were expecting that fight to happen and a bunch of, you know, they wound up going the rest of 22. A lot of guys only fought once last year, guys that were supposed to fight in that November, December timeframe. Those fights didn't happen. They can't do that again. So they have to keep the line moving. So I do believe that uh, Spence Thurman is the contingency plan at this point. And the shame of it is when they said once we were all of the belief that the fight was never going to happen, Spence Crawford. Spence Thurman was, look, it's not a desirable pay-per-view, but it's not a bad alternative. It's like, okay, you know, it's kind of unfinished business, and then Spence goes and, and does whatever he wants. Now that we're back to believing Spence Crawford could happen, and that if it doesn't, now he's back to fighting it. Now, all of a sudden, a Keith Thurman fight is in an entirely different light. I don't think it's that bad of a fight, but people just aren't going to react well to it. And I'm still stuck with if Crawford doesn't fight Spence Lex, who is he fighting? Because he's not fighting Rocha. That was his mandatory. And Rocha is still going to be the mandatory as long as he beats Anthony Young. He's not going to get away with fighting someone like Blair Cobbs. I certainly hope that's not next. <laughs> no, and uh, you know, I, I speculate like, yeah. could he fight Virgil Ortiz? You know, I, I mean, he could, but I, I do think from what everything I was hearing, we're going to get Virgil rescheduled in July, maybe yes. um, exactly against Danny Onis. Uh, so that seems to be on you know on paper, penciled anyway. And right. it comes back to the same debate we had before, Jake. Like, who, who does Crawford work with? Like, he's obviously not going to work with PVC. He's not going to work with Top Rank. Golden Boy is kind of the only game in town. Matchroom's got nothing unless you want like right. a B level. I mean, you want to go to fight Connor Ben? <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah. but that's that's probably not going to happen. Um, I, he's he's low on options at this point, yeah. and we could be back to Bud Crawford once a year guy. Um, right there. So, I mean, do you think that? I mean, with Spence Thurman, like, is May still on the table? in your mind no and absolutely not i would think uh juneteenth weekend uh, okay we, we'd see that fight yeah yeah okay well i mean that's again not a bad consolation prize yeah i, I right. think it, there's again blood feud there like yeah. spence hates thurman with the fire of a thousand suns and all because thurman kind of dismissed him years ago as a uh a, right. a future opponent so yeah uh not um, bad but yeah, we'll the only that. thing I will say on that is if um, if the rumors are true, then supposedly by next weekend at the tank, you know, Ryan Garcia fight, we should get clarification, if not a full blown announcement on who we fell Spencer's for that fight. once before. Too. I, I, we, I agree we've with fallen you, for yeah. some of that stuff before. I, I don't. That's it's a... again, like, don't don't Lucy me. Don't Charlie Brown me uh, on this one. Uh, last thing for you, Anthony Joshua. And yeah. I wish he had done this a couple of days prior when Matchroom was in the U.S. and you and I were yes. both there to ask about it. But right. he goes on Instagram on Monday. And he announces that his next fight will be in December, which flies in the face of everything we thought we knew about yes. the schedule of Anthony Joshua. Even on this show last week, Eddie Hearn said, we want to bring him back in July. Yep. He named Dillian White as the most yep. likely opponent. And now AJ's out there saying, I'm coming back in December. Now, one of the first things I thought was, is the Middle East all of a sudden in play? Is there money for a Fury fight sometime right. in December? But that was strange to see AJ... You know, after all the talk about keeping him active, right, of not being a once or even a twice a year fighter, 
uh, to wait till December. What did you make? So of I, I'm with you right there. The, the only thing I could think of is maybe they realized, okay, getting AJ in the ring three times in a calendar year is very expensive. Um, it was, yeah, mm. like you said, a very cryptic quote. And again, if we believe everything we read on Twitter, all of a sudden he failed this mysterious drug test that nobody knows about. So that, that's the reason why I know. Let's, yeah. Yeah, let's just, get, I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> um, one thing I did find interesting. So, and I'm with you. I spoke with Eddie. The first story I was going to write once I got off the plane was, you know, that AJ is going to return in July. Dillian White is back to being a front runner, attractive rematch. And that Eddie has also been in talks with Bob Arum, you know, because they were trying to negotiate the better be of Callum Smith fight. And obviously, when you talk to Bob Arum and you are Eddie Hearn, a topic that's going to come up is Anthony Joshua fighting Tyson Fury. So if they're going to bench him until the rest of the year, it has to be something big. It can't be they're not going to keep him out of the ring for eight months to fight Otto Valin. Look, Otto Valin would have been a fine option for July as well. And his name was kind of floated, but they're not going to keep him, you know, benched for something on that level. So I am thinking that maybe he's a backup, not a backup plan. But, you know, if we don't get Fury Usyk and Fury is still champion by the fourth quarter of 2023, that's a fight we will finally see. Another Charlie Brown football moment, I know. Mm. But that's that's something like that is the only thing that that makes sense. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, why is he, he's not going to need all that time in the gym to gel with Derek James? The best way you gel with Derek James is you do another training fight. camp. You get back in the ring in July, exactly. Wow. So. Yeah, he needs to fight. Um, yeah. he, you know, it, I, I wouldn't give him much of a chance against Fury right now, anyway. But no. like, if he goes out and looks great against Dillian White, not only would that help his skills, but his confidence. Yeah. In going into the next fight, that it's a very weird situation to see him, you know, decide to take it off. I hope it turns out to be mistaken and does get back against Dillian White because not only would it help AJ, it helped the promotion of that fight. It would get even bigger. Like Dillian White, I think we both agree, has got very little left at this yeah. point as a top heavyweight, but yeah, he's still a name. It would still do mm -hmm. a good crowd in uh, in the UK, Wembley, wherever, yeah. uh, and it would be good for everyone involved. But uh, yeah, they got history good. that. Yeah, that's the most attractive, you know, I don't want to, you know, minimize D Dillian White as a stay busy fight. But on that level, that's the most attractive, you know, keep busy fight for AJ that you can think of. The plan made sense. Franklin, yeah. White, and then a big fight at the end of the year, whether it's Fury or Deontay Wilder. This one, I can't really wrap my head around exactly what's going on uh, within AJ's camp. Uh, Jake, appreciate your time, man. Follow Jake on Twitter. Read all his stuff over on BoxingScene.com. One of the most plugged in guys in the entire business. Always appreciate it, man. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure being on the show. And when we come back, my conversation with Jarrell Miller. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it off? I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. 
I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe will win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Or download the app today. All right, Jarrell Miller is an undefeated heavyweight. He is coming off a win over Lucas Brown earlier this month. Has attempted to get back into the heavyweight title picture nearly four years after he was forced out of a fight with Anthony Joshua after failing uh, multiple drug tests. Jarrell is back, and he joins me here on the show. Jarrell, you made an announcement recently on social media uh, that after maintaining what has been kind of a relatively low profile the last couple of years, you were officially doing media interviews again. Why did you say that? Because um, people have been reaching out to me for the last few years to do interviews and podcasts, and I didn't really have nothing to say. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, people don't have the right information, you know, and if you're if you don't get ahead of certain things in the media, a picture's already painted of you. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I wasn't fortunate enough to have the promoters that was I was with to step up and and, and try to clear my name. And you know, there, it's, there's a lot there's a lot going on. You know, to say that there's evidence to clear me, they don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? So at that point, I was like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm just gonna take it on the chin. I can say a lot of people's names. I can call out doctors. I can call out lawyers. But it didn't make any sense at this point. You know, I'm trying to say that the media already have what they feel like is the evidence. They already made their their their, their assumption of who I am. At, at some point, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, I'm from Brooklyn, man. I take it on the chin. I bounce back, and I'm I'm gonna handle everybody ass when I get back. You know what I mean? And, and uh, unfortunately, when I, after I left boxing, I had to deal with some personal issues. It, it only got worse. You know what I mean? In my personal life, so I had to deal with that. So even we kind of probably came back even a year a year sooner. To tell you the truth, but this dealing with the stupid promoters, you know, I had a problem with Demetrius Salida. He always, he, you know, he's flip flop with certain things he does. You know, it it, it was is a constant battle. You know, besides even getting in the ring, 
you know, and that's what I'm working on with my team is coming out with um, my own educational program on, on the fight game. You know what I mean? Because I've, I've negotiated my fight with AJ. My fight, AJ, was a guaranteed $10 million my first fight. The next fight was a guaranteed $17 million plus review buys. I negotiated all that shit on my own, really, with the help of my manager at the time. So I understand this game to a T. And just unfortunately, I was locked into a contract from 10 years ago with Sleater Promotions. And he's not the worst promoter, but sometimes the promoters do things best for themselves and not for the fighter. You know, I'm trying to say so. I've learned a lot in the last few years now. Where it's like I know what I got to do. I know where I'm at. I'm, I'm, my, my, my age is 34. But I'm really 33. So, end of the day, I know what I got to do, brother. And that's what we're gonna do. What would you say is the most significant thing that has been said or written about you that you disagree with? That it was, it was, it was steroids. You know, what I mean, trying to say or what it was. It's, when you dig into the fact that you start really studying these stuff, a lot of people don't understand that. Like, even what I fell for was never on Vada's ban list that year. It came with a ban list the next year. So I'm like, first of all, even if I was on the back of a canister and I'm looking for something to cross label, make sure it's not on the list, it wasn't on the damn list. So how can you fail something on the list that you gave me? You know what I'm trying to say? And I tell people all the time, when, when you look between the lines, a lot of people weren't feeling for a long time with Vada. They got to constantly update these lists to find something to catch guys with. And then it, there's no clear picture of updating guys on, yo, this is banned. And they'll add stuff on the list and you'll never know it's on the list. So how do you know one month is on the list and next month is not? Or it's on the list, one, not one month, next month it is. So it's a, it's a lot of unclarity when it comes to drug testing. You know, even Dana White said he's tired of you starting the nonsense. It's it's a game. It's politics everywhere you go. Once you understand the sport and you understand that when money's involved, it's gonna, there's going to be some red tape that you have to cut through. So there's fighters. Because fire, we, we worry about fighting. We have to worry about managing fucking us. We worry about promoters fucking us. Now we got to worry about Vada fucking us. Now you side of fucking us. It's a lot of red tape going through and people don't do their homework. And that's why the point is like, you know what? I'm going to be me at the end of the day regardless. And if people don't want to do their own homework or and Eddie Hearn was the quickest person to jump out he do this, he do that. If he didn't work with Canelo Alvarez, he steroids. I never remember. If people study with it, I never got called for steroids. It was a bad substance, yes. It's not steroids. I ain't sticking nothing in my ass. Well, Canelo I think, Alvarez? I think, I think, Jarrell, one, you know, I know we assume you're talking about the substance before the forest fight, but HGH and EPO, which was on before the Joshua correct, fight, correct. those are banned. Those have been banned for a long time. Those have been banned for a long time. But if you understand my drug system, what happened, what was in my, my labs. My levels were dumb low. I never had it. It was I passed, and I feel that I passed. And I sent in the documentation I got from a doctor because Eddie Hearn knew I was going to have surgery on my elbow after the Bogondinu fight. I canceled my surgery on my elbow to prepare for the fight with AJ. My right elbow was so sore and fucked up, I find any way to deal with it. A lot of people don't know this. EPO heals bone and growth spurts in your elbow. It can actually heal. It's a, it's, it's a healing agent. It's not just used for for cardiovascular uh, 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 um, uh, properties. AGH, same thing. It helps with healing properties. I took a super strong stem cell count from a doctor providing documents. How can I pass and fail? I took three tests like one week practically with that. I passed, fail, and pass. And, and people don't understand this. I'm the one that asked to test me again. When GW1516, known as Cardamine, came up, I said, what the fuck is this shit? I never had a kid in my life. I might test me again. 
They were closing the book already. They test me again, and that came up. So I'm the one that blew the food on my dance up, but, no, but nobody explains that. Even Bob Aaron, when what happened again with Bob Aaron, Bob was like, "Listen, I see, I see the truth now, and I, you know, I'm sorry how things came out to be. Get yourself together, and we will get back together." Even Bob, Bob Aaron came back and apologized to me over the phone. But Eddie Hearn, who worked with Carlos Molina, Canelo, Dylan White, uh, 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 uh who else? Man, right, let's go fucking on. Ben Hannon, what's his name? God ain't been. And those are actual real steroids. But the problem is, those are his guys. So he's going to jump in front of the media, pay who he got to pay off to make himself look good. I get it, I understand that. You know what I'm trying to say? But when you're a black guy from America, you're from Brooklyn, choke shit, they're going to hush you. Especially, I'm educated to this game. You know what I'm trying to say? But at a certain point, it don't make no sense. You keep yelling and talking. Like, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm a real person. I'm, I'm, I'm real. I've always been real to the core. Anybody that know me, know I'm real. So for me to sit here and argue, I'm like, yo, man, what? Everybody kiss my ass. I see you in a couple of years. Fuck it. I do. I think, I think, Jarrell, one, one thing I would say is at, at best, you have been kind of reckless with not knowing what you're putting in your body, right? Like, mm. I think that's fair to say. You're not, at the very least, you're not taking the kind of precautions as a professional fighter that you need to take to make sure you know exactly what's going in your system. Has that changed? Has your process so, changed? Almost definitely, but you gotta understand something too. If you, when you're an up and coming fighter, it costs money for these drug testers. Who pays for the promoter? They don't tell you, hey, we can test your supplements. Each supplement you're gonna test is gonna test you six hundred dollars for this supplement. I spent over ten grand testing my supplements. Nothing, nothing came up. So I did my due diligence. So you can't say I didn't do my due diligence. I was negligent. I was not negligent. The problem is there's no, there's not enough educational things there to help the fighter. They they always about is money, money, money. I need ten grand. What fight is going to take 10 grand to go take testing supplements out or five grand every fight to supplements out when you want to try something new? You know what I'm saying? On top of that, on your list, you don't have supplements clearly outwritten that's updated and there's no formal way of getting it out to a fighter. You know what I'm trying to say? So don't say I didn't do my new. I did do my new. I paid a lot of money to get my, my supplements tested. The problem is when you're thinking of supplements, you're thinking of over-the-counter GNC. There's a lot of things. Too much coffee in the Olympics get you, get you, get you fucked up. You can take a Viagra or Cialis that'll get you fucked up. So there's a lot of not clear tape cut stuff there to help fighters get educated. And the promoters are not doing their due diligence. You know what I'm saying? The manager are not doing their due diligence. It's all left to the fighter. Okay, cool. I understand that. But you got to understand these levels, these nanogram, you go to nanogram levels. What the fuck is nanogram levels? HDH is in my system for nanogram levels. What the fuck 0.1 nanogram is? You, do you know what that is? No, but I, I would ask you this. Oh, hold on. Hold on look, I agree. Look, no, I, I agree. Hold on. I agree. See, I, you don't even I know. agree with I'm you. Not at you. I agree like, with you. Don't even but, know. I, but I'm not I'm, fighting. I'm not but I'm not saying no. You don't even know. I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying no. You don't even know what a nanogram level is. But you're saying I do my due diligence. A no, nanogram I, level. Not, is I'm not even talking. I'm not. You know, I'm not talking crazy, about man. the GNC stuff. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not talking about the supplement stuff. But, I mean, look, if you're going to get a stem cell treatment injected into your arm, maybe yeah. that requires a little extra due diligence. If you're going to take yeah, what you said was a sexual enhancement drug, maybe that requires extra due diligence. Correct, correct. Like I said, I checked the back of the thing. I didn't think a little $10 pill was going to cost me $20, $30 million, brother. A <laughs> um, couple other things for you. Uh, to yeah. get a big fight, you are yeah. going to have to work with a major promoter. 
Uh, you and Eddie Hearn are obviously not on good terms. You you Correct. praise Bob Arum, but some people at top rank that I've talked to have said, Jarrell Miller owes us money. We don't want to work with him until we get our money back. Um, yeah. Can you work with, can you get the fights you want without these major promoters? It's so funny because Bob Arum and them guys, it's like, I'm going to tell you something. You're only as good as yesterday's fight. Bob Arum and them guys know I, do them, I owe them money, but they know how to get their money back. So that's, they know how to get their money back. So I don't know why they're going to say that for. You want to get money back? I'll fight, the, I'll fight the little fake. I'll fight my little brother, the fake big baby. And when I smash him, you got to get your money back from that fight if that's what you want to do. But people talk and talk and they're making it seem like I'm the bad guy. There's ways of getting their money back. But that's if they want to take the risk. If they, if that's if they want to put, put the money where their mouth is at. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of other uh, promoters out there like I've been talking to. You know, Oscar, PBC, you know, Floyd, um, some guys in Qatar. You know what I mean? Um, the thing about it is right now, the playing field is still open for the heavyweights. It's for the heavyweights got to step up and say who they want to fight. You know, AJ says he's about the money now, supposedly what I'm hearing. If AJ, he's about the money, he wants to fight certain names. Okay, fine. There's only three people AJ can fight that's going to bring in triple figure numbers that anybody cares about. That's Tyson Fury, um, Deontay Wilder, and Big Baby. There's no other fight out there for him that's going to bring in big money that nobody gives a shit about. Nobody gives about Franklin. Nobody gives about Dylan White and him. Nobody gives about Chizora. You know what I'm trying to say? He's not going to get Tyson Fury fight right now. I don't think. He's th he's sure as hell ain't going to fight Deontay and get his head knocked the fuck off. The only fight that you can probably say, oh, it's 50-50, is me and him. But I know me in my heart. I'm going to run his ass over. So I'm trying to say, so like I said, there's a lot of opportunities out there. It's just right now for me, it's I owe Demetri Salida two more fights. He's not a big promoter. You know, me and him have not seen out of eye over the years. We're cordial now. Yes, we're cool. But once I get these two fights of the way with him, then I'm maneuvering do what I need to do in my career. Last thing for you. You have never been concerned about weight in your career, but you were in the 280s when you were fighting on HBO against Marius Walk. Mm -hmm. Right around 325, 330 uh, during your uh, fights for Eddie Hearn, you've weighed considerably more, probably 15, 16 pounds more in your last three or four fights. Do you feel like you're in the kind of shape to beat oh, a top-level no. guy? No, nah, fuck no. I wouldn't lie to you. Okay. I'm, I guess right. I'm a realist. No, no. We we, know, we got we got we got to go to training camp for another three months. I never say here lie to you, but like I said before, it was this was my first training camp that I had in years. So I came down from like three fifty. I got down to three eighteen. I got really sick. wasn't wasn't feeling well. And I went back up to three to three. It was like three twenty seven. But find Dubai, the jet lag. I'm within three thirty something. Three thirty. And I told myself, I says after this fight. We gotta get everything locked in order. We gotta put everything, we gotta put everything and put towards 100 percent training. And a couple of my people said the same exact thing. We gotta lock in this time now. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get everything in order and we're gonna get in place. Like I said before, I beat a small, I beat a smaller heavyweight, who's we one of the bigger heavyweights at 280. You know, I punched them out, gunned them. But in this fight, it was it was more, even when I went in the ring, you know, I boxed the first round. But after that, I just had so much frustration. I said, oh, fuck that, I'm just gonna swing. I just wanna let the I just wanna swing this fight. So technically, it went out the window this fight. If you see any one of my fights, it's much more technical than that. I mean, that's what swing. So this fight was like, let the frustration out, get out the energy, get it, get out the way, and next fight we get back to the drawing board. That's what I did. I said, fuck that. This fight, I'm coming out swinging. Big baby just want to come out swinging this fight. That's how I felt. So I know now, time to get realistically, get realistic now. I can't box like that boxing other guys. Of course not. I mean, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. So go back to boxing. We'll get 30, 40 pounds off. Now listen, I'm smashing every fucking body. Trust me when I say 
Well, Jarrell, you certainly can talk the talk. I'm looking forward to seeing you back uh, into the mix. Yo, hold in on. I can talk the talk, and I back you back it up. Don't say it. I know. I'm looking forward okay. to seeing that. I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing that down the line, man. Uh, good to talk to you, man. Keep up the good work. All right, Chris. No problem. Take care. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Jake Donovan and Jarrell Miller for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.